Welcome to Today in the Word with Pastor Bob Larson of Calvary Chapel Caldwell. Pastor Bob will be with us in just a few minutes, but first we'd like to let you know that Calvary Chapel is located on the corner of 10th and Everett, across from the library in downtown Caldwell. We have two Sunday morning services at 9.30 and 11.30. If you prefer Saturday nights, we have a Saturday night service at 7 p.m. We also have a midweek service Wednesday night at 7 p.m. You can watch Today in the Word on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. on ABC Channel 6.1. Join us as we broadcast Calvary Chapel Caldwell's Sunday morning church services, where Pastor Bob teaches you how to apply the truths in your Bible to your everyday experiences so that you might enjoy a better life. 1 Samuel 22, verse 1. Let's read it together. David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there. And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, everyone who was discontented gathered to him. So he became captain over them, and they were about 400 men with him. Here, David has already been anointed king of Israel by Samuel to rule over the nation of Israel as king. But Saul is still on the throne, and Saul is trying to destroy David. He doesn't want David to become king. Saul's trying to uh, hold on to that which is no longer his. God had already told him, Saul, I've rejected you. And so Saul is trying to push the rightful king out of the kingdom. And David is living in hiding, and, and men are beginning to gather to David. And, and that's really what's going on here in chapter 2, or chapter 22 in verse 2. And the people that are gathering to him, it gives us a description of what kind of people God's bringing together for David uh, to be a great, great king. And look at verse 2, and it says, And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, everyone who was discontented, gathered to him. So now, uh, you know, you look at that and, and uh, you know, uh, David is, you know, he's obviously a giant killer, but uh, these are very unlikely mighty men to be in David's army, right? I mean, that these are going to be the men who help David to bring the nation of Israel to the zenith of its power in their history. And when you think about it, what kind of men did he bring? In debt, distressed, and discontent, <laughs> right? You look at that and you think, wow. Yet God works through these men with David to establish Israel and to bring it to the pinnacle of its glory. And God worked through these men to accomplish his purpose. When you think about who God's calling, uh, if you care about people and you love people, it's distressing, right? And, and the men of, that, uh, of David's army were not only distressed, but they were in debt, as it says in verse 2. Everyone was distressed. Everyone was in debt. Everyone who was discontented gathered to him. Now, in debt means that they obligated themselves beyond the capacity to pay the price. So, you know, perhaps in those days, uh, you know, when you got in debt, you would sell yourself into servitude as a bond slave. The way you would pay off your debt is you would work for someone, right? Uh, unlike here, if someone gets in debt, I don't know what you do. You, you cry and they, they forget it. I'm not sure exactly how that works, but uh, someone can explain it to me. But, uh, but in those days, so they're in debt, right? So maybe they couldn't endure paying the debt, so they, they you know, escape, whatever. But, but this is a picture of our spiritual debt. When you look at their indebtedness, that you know, I've come to the realization that I'm in debt to God, that God created me, and I've been breathing his air and drinking his water and eating his food without even seldom saying thank you right? And taking for granted all the things that God has provided for me. But greater than that, I realize that I've sinned against God and, you know, many times in many ways, and my sin has built up a great debt that I could never pay. But the good news is that God loved me so much and you that he sent his only begotten son to pay my debt and to redeem me from my sin. And that's so good, right? And, and, and that's the good news. And you think about, you know, all the craziness in the world, but it, you know, my sin, my debt, uh, could, I couldn't pay. And, and I was a slave to sin, and I couldn't free myself, right? And, but Jesus Christ paid my debt, set me free, and, and made me a free person, and it's so good, right? And so 
when I think about that, I owe all that I am, all that I have to him because I owed a debt that I couldn't pay. But Jesus paid the debt and set me free. And when you understand that, it's just a powerful truth in your relationship with God. Understanding that, that we're just here, the Bible says that we're sojourners, we're just passing through, temporary, right? And that's good news, right? When you look at the crazy world, you're like, whoo, good thing that this is my, not my final destination, right? I mean, uh, that I'm, I'm just passing through. But whether you're here 80, 90, or 100 years, whatever it is, that's just a brief little time passing through. Uh, but David's army was not only in debt, and in distress, but they were discontent. And so as it says in verse two, everyone who was distressed, everyone who's dis- in debt, everyone who was discontent gathered to him. Now, sounds like a great bunch of people you'd want with you, right? When you're on the run, <laughs> David's hiding from Saul and he's probably wanting to be alone. And then he gathers this group of distressed in debt and discontent people, <laughs> right? I'm like, when I'm, when I'm, I don't want to be around people, but here they're all gathered around him. And, and you know, there's a certain discontentment that's bad. You know, uh, when people are just discontent with everything, they're never happy. It's too hot. It's too cold. It's never just right. It's too hard. It's too soft. It's never just right. It's either overcooked or undercooked. They're always discontent. It's never just right. They're never like Goldilocks, right? Where it's just right. <laughs> but you know, there's a discontentment where everything is bad and you just complain about everything. Now that is not good, but there's another kind of discontentment, which can be a source of development, right? And, uh, you know, I, I remember hearing a story about uh, a family uh, walking through Disneyland and uh, the, the wife said she was tired of carrying the baby and told her husband, you should invite a little thing that we can push the baby around. So he invented the baby stroller, right? Uh, well, you just think about discontentment. So it's like, mm, I heard someone say that, you know, someone was discontent with riding a horse, so they invented a car. So, uh, you know, discontentment can, can push for progress, right? And in my own life, I think about my own discontentment with my own spiritual emptiness, you know? When uh, someone asked me about my spiritual life and, and I just, there's just this emptiness in life. And so I invited Jesus into my life. So that discontentment is good. Or the discontentment with my own selfishness as I grow in my understanding of God's word, God's plan, and realize that being selfish and self-centered and it, it just doesn't produce a fruitful, joyous life. So it causes me to pray and say, Lord, help me to, to be a giver and help me to be someone who wants to give up my time and my talent and my tithe because that produces joy, right? And so discontentment in this uh, fallen world, uh, you know, is a real thing. But when you look around at the world and its attempt to evolve the world into a better state, you know, that discontentment makes me hope for the kingdom of God, right, to come, for the kingdom to come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that really leads us towards moving us towards God. So it can be a good thing. You know, when you just think about the world and you look at all the craziness, you know, for those who believe that, you know, lightning struck mud and then, you know, from the goo to the zoo to you and and that we're all evolving to be better and better and better, they obviously haven't read the news. <laughs> I don't even read much of the news, and I know it is not getting better, right? Uh, but, but here's the thing. The Apostle Paul said in, in Philippians 4.11, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Now, he's talking about that peace in your heart, right? That, that Paul's learned to be content where he's at. And, and I think that's important as it relates to our spiritual life, that God wants us to be content, not always complaining. Uh, and, and then in 1 Timothy 6, 6, he said, now godliness with contentment is great gain. And so that is so good. When you have a relationship with God, he helps you to understand the purpose of life, why you're here, what's the purpose of your life, where you're going when it's over, and that brings contentment, right? You realize that, that uh, God created me with a plan and a purpose, and, and there is only joy in life when you're fulfilling what you were created to do, right? When you're chasing after things that will never ever accomplish what the world says they will do, then there's an emptiness. Now, David's army is a very intriguing group because if you were gonna put together a group of people to bring Israel to the height of its power, you probably wouldn't pick these kind of people, right? I mean, how many of you would pick those kind of people, right? You wouldn't gather those kind of people, guys who are in debt, in distress, and discontent. 
But it's very intriguing to me, the people that God picks today to work through. Now you think about how God worked back then, the nation of Israel, God chose Israel, God chose David, and David was gonna be one of the greatest kings ever to bring the nation to its power militarily, and, and, and you look at the people he chose, and then you think, well, what kind of people is God looking for today? Right, God's looking for people, the world's messed up, God wants to do a work, right? And, and what kind of people do you think he's looking for? And even right now, in your mind, some of you are thinking, well, he's looking for really smart people, right? He's looking for, he's looking for celebrities and movie stars and you know sports pro athletes right is that who he's looking for well wrong right the bible says here's who god's looking for in first corinthians 1 26 he says for you see your calling brethren now the brethren that means us the church not many wise are called according to the flesh not many mighty not many noble are called but god has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise and god has chosen the weak things of this world to put to shame the things that are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen, and the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are. Why? That no flesh would glory in his presence. So God is just looking for ordinary people, not many wise, not many noble, right? And so if you're thinking, well, I wonder what God would want to do in my life. Well, he's looking for people that are just ordinary people, that he can do extraordinary things through. And I believe, you know, when David's army became very effective and powerful, they were just ordinary people with problems, right? But they did great things. And, and, uh, they were very successful in serving God and accomplishing God's purposes. Now, you might be thinking, well, how does God take a bunch of distressed, in debt, and discontent people and have them be super successful in accomplishing God's purposes? Well, what was the secret to their success? Well, the first thing is they sought God before beginning any venture. And I think that's so important. See, what happened is that as they began to gather with David, then David heard that there was some people attacking some people in 1 Samuel 23.1. It says that David was told, uh, saying, look, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah, and they are robbing the, the threshing floor. So, you know, Keilah was about four miles uh, from the cave of Adullam, where David was. And so they say, hey, look, uh, you know, the Philistines, which were the enemies of Israel, they're attacking these people. Come and help us. Now, the first thing that David does is that he inquires of the Lord. In 1 Samuel 23, 2, it says, therefore, David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, go and attack the Philistines and save Keilah. Even though David was a giant killer, even though David had defeated their greatest warrior of the Philistines, I mean, logically, I think David could take him, right? I don't know how many of you have ever been in fights before, but generally, before the fight starts, you know who's going to win, right? You're like, Tester Bob, this is a church. We don't fight. All right, I'm talking about before we were saved, right? But, uh, but here's the thing. Even though David is a giant killer, and, you know, what does he do? He doesn't say, well, this is obvious. I'm going to go take care of those people. No, he prays and he asks God, God, what should we do? And this is a key to their success. Uh, in verse 3 of 1 Samuel 23, it said, David's men that said, David, are you out of your mind? Look, we're afraid. Here we are in Judah. Uh, we're afraid here in Judah. How much more then if we go to Keilah against the armies of the Philistines? So David's men said, David, we don't think that you are praying right, right? We're afraid in our own country, and you want us to go out and fight against the Philistines while Saul's hunting us and wanting to kill us? We don't believe, David, that you're hearing God right. So what does David do? Does he say, oh, you're right. Uh, let's take a poll. Whatever the popular opinion is, that's what I'll go with. No, that's not what David did. In verse 4, it says, then David inquired of the Lord once again. So he prayed again. And the Lord answered and said to him, arise, go down to Keilah, for I will deliver the Philistines into your hands. Now, you know, David said, God, are you sure that this is what we're supposed to do? And, and God told David, yeah, you're going to have victory. And, and I believe that, you know, this group, David, they waited on God's direction before they took one step. And as a result, they had great success, right? They didn't wonder about how the battle was going to work out because they prayed ahead of time and said, Lord, how's this going to work out? And I think this is a key ingredient for having a group of people that are in debt, distressed, and discontent 
to have success in accomplishing God's purposes is that they prayed and they sought the Lord. And so they had confidence after they inquired of the Lord and God told them you're going to have victory, so they went out. And, and they weren't trusting in their own judgment about the situation. They sought the guidance of God, even when it seemed like it was quite obvious that, you know, they could have victory. Yet they still prayed. And in fact, David prayed and prayed again. And, and you know, from my perspective, the obvious thing to do was to hide, right? I mean, imagine if the president of our country, and that's what Saul was at the time, imagine if the president had a, an elite team that was hunting you down to kill you, right? Uh, and you had a place to hide. Would you think, oh, let's go out and start some more somewhere, right? No, I mean, the obvious thing would be to hide, but yet David prayed. And I think it's important for us as we go through life that we're going to face difficult challenges. We're going to face, you know, things where it might seem obvious what to do, but the Bible teaches us and Jesus teaches us that we need to pray and keep on praying. Thank you for joining us for Today in the Word. We'd like to share with you a couple of things that are going on here at Calvary Chapel. Calvary Chapel Caldwell is now hiring full-time and part-time positions for our exciting Calvary Kids Learning Center. If you enjoy working with children from newborn through kindergarten, please give us a call at 453-9653. Positions are Monday through Friday with our availability to fit your schedule. To learn more about these exciting opportunities, please call 453-9653. We look forward to meeting with you. Calvary Chapel Caldwell would like to invite you to our Saturday night service at 7 p.m. This is an alternative for those who cannot make it to our Sunday morning services. Like us on Facebook at Calvary Chapel Caldwell or check out our website at calvarycaldwell.com. You can watch Today in the Word on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. on The CW, Channel 2.2. Join us as we broadcast Calvary Chapel Caldwell's Sunday morning church services, where Pastor Bob teaches you how to apply the truth in your Bible to your everyday experiences so that you might enjoy a better life. If you would like a copy of Pastor Bob's message today in its entirety, you can call us at 208-453-9653 during the hours of 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. If you're not currently attending a church and are in the Caldwell area, We'd like to invite you to one of our services. We're located on the corner of 10th and Everett, right across from the library in downtown Caldwell. You can also visit us on the web at calvarycaldwell.com. If Today in the Word is ministered to you and you would like to support this radio outreach ministry, we encourage you to pray for us. You can also partner with us financially. Simply visit calvarycaldwell.com to make a donation. Thank you for joining us for Today in the Word. May the Lord bless you. May you have a great day. Today is the day you